The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me, as always, co-host Fishing Rico4. How are you, buddy? Oh, very good, Macca. Very excited. Got a great guest back on tonight, and we actually learnt something from her during the week, but uh, we couldn't actually, uh, shouldn't be playing the, the music that we do from, from a copyright perspective, so yes. I thought maybe we'd have to make our own, Indeed. Macca, so I thought we could start singing. All right, so, let's do it. So seeing, seeing Porsche's on, I thought we could sing... Love me tender, love me true, all I need is you. Eddie wanted me to sing that one. Or we got Kane Mitchell come back into the side so we could do Speed is what I need, Grease Lightning. There you go. Thank you very much. I honestly don't know how to respond to this. (laughs) Uh, uh, You've made me speechless. You actually have to pay for sing, uh, songs that you sing as well, not just um, steal the performance of. So you're, you're yeah, still in I trouble, I'm afraid. Sorry. Probably didn't get the lyrics right anyway, so I'm sure I didn't uh, breach the copyright there. True. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> you did well, Rick. You did very well. Very yeah, impressed. no no one would possibly think that was an actual song. No, no, definitely Thank not. Thank you very much. As you can tell, we've got the lovely Porsche back on this week. How hello, hello. I'm well. Yeah, it's a good way. week. It's a great week. It's always a good week. It is. That's right. It always is a good week when you're coming up against Frio. Oh, I love coming up against Frio. It's the best. It's <laughs> one of those games that you just notch down in the diary, isn't it? We're playing Frio. Beauty. Who's going to get suspended? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Well, look, the last time we spoke, Porsche, was after the North Melbourne game. How have you seen mm. our form since then? Uh, look, I think that um, we've done what we needed to. Uh, the North Melbourne game, I think we were all making the comment that, you know, this felt like a, a eight-goal loss and, you know, we hardly lost by anything at all. And I think that uh, the games since then have just shown that we've had a, you know, a similar similar sort of feeling in a lot of games. So, you know, Great Western Sydney, we yeah, we won. It felt like it was a, a very disappointing, uh, you know, almost win or almost loss. But we actually still did okay in the end as far as scoreline. So I think that... Uh, you know, you take an average year, but then you add every game about 5 or 10% in terms of uh, relative scoring, and I think that's the sort of season we're having. We're having our ups and downs, but uh, overall our average is just high enough to have us right at the top of the ladder, which is fantastic, and I think that's realistically what you want to see uh, uh, any year. Um, you have to accept there's going to be some games that are going to be a bit ordinary and some games are going to be bloody amazing, but if you're winning them all, well, that's just grave, isn't it, you know? It's very good. So I think we're doing all right at the moment. But... I, thought, I thought we were in... Um... In naughty corner, after that podcast, Lord Lord Macca and me and you, we got we got told off by the guru of all gurus, uh, Ford. He wasn't happy with our our criticism of that game, and uh, I felt all guilty afterwards and thought maybe we <laughs> yeah. were too hard. Oh look, I've got the armor on. I've noticed every time I do a podcast, um, I uh, post something you know mildly controversial on the forums, and I just get gunned down. So I'm ready for you all now. This time, I, I know it's coming. It's good. <laughs> uh, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rick, you wanted to bring up the Jack Viney uh, farce that's uh, that's happened yes. this week. I think it is a, a bit of a farce, Macker. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, the stats are he was the second of. Uh, 
15 appeals to actually be upheld or ratified, so Jack's free to play. Um, yeah, it's just been a schmozzle, the whole process. Uh, obviously, a lot of, lot of experts and fans uh, thought he was very unlucky to, uh, to get suspended in the first place. Um, I was sort of borderline on it because I could see a bit of consistency uh, with the panel. Um, you know, I wasn't fussed really either way, um, but I can understand where the AFL is going and wanting to protect the head. But I just feel, you know, this whole appeal process uh, has just been to sort of appease the masses and to sort of reduce the, uh, the backlash in the media that they were receiving and sort of more of a PR stunt more than anything. What did you guys think? Uh, isn't appeals basically entirely to do with the media anyway? Um, I mean, what was he charged with? I think it was rough conduct, wasn't it? Um, rough conduct is just an absolute farce. We've seen rough conduct apply to all sorts of really horrible things and totally insignificant things. So the appeals board, if it's not there to appease the media, I don't know why it even exists because uh, if they had a, a rules that were a rule system in place that uh, had clear penalties and uh, uh, clear definitions of what was uh, an offence... Um, why would you need an appeals board, you know, unless it was something extremely controversial? So, no, the appeals board's doing exactly what it should. It's flaming down media aggression. That's exactly what the AFL made it for. Yep. How could you break someone's jaw and it be deemed only medium impact? What would be severe impact? I think we all know that uh, with the tribunal scoring system, it's all done on, well, what suspension should we see? We should see two games, all right. Well, what do we need mm. to, to make it so that we get yep. a two-game outcome? Exactly. Simple mm. as that. So to, to get the two-game outcome, they had to charge it as medium impact, which it definitely mm. wasn't. I mean, it was pretty no. severe. <laughs> if a guy's missing I mean, six weeks with a, a broken jaw and you could see teeth fly out of his mouth, I mean, it's a pretty <laughs> severe impact, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And I mean, that's what it, I mean, it should have been graded severe, and rightly or wrongly, it should have been a four- to six-week suspension. Yeah. And, and this is where, as supporters and in the media, we get so frustrated with the game because there's, there hasn't been any consistency in the tribunal for as long as I can remember. And they keep trying to change it, but it still doesn't make it any better. Well, why would there be consistency? I thought one of the things that's been constant with the tribunal is that they don't accept uh, um, prior cases as uh, relevant yeah, to current decisions. Exactly. So you're not going to get consistency if you don't do that. Mm. And why can't why can't they accept precedence? That's what I don't understand. Why why can't they go? Well, this happened in another game. This is almost ex the identical incident. This person suffered or got exposed to that penalty or got let off. We should follow the same. I don't. I don't understand why precedence isn't accepted in the AFL tribunal. The reason is because it's too politically sensitive to do. I mean, if you have someone like Buddy Franklin suspended for a grand final because of something you did in a prelim, that's horrible. They don't want that to happen. And precedent would cause that sort of thing to happen. So, no. Mm. Yeah, so then it's open to basic corruption, isn't it? Well, we are talking about the AFL, I think, aren't we? <laughs> and this is one of the moments it's glad that we're not an official podcast here. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of official media outlets, however, that are still being very critical on the on the AFL and the system. So, you know, I think anyone's entitled to uh, uh, entitled to their opinion on it, and uh, you know, it's as long as it's constructive. And I just, it's farcical. And surely, with the intelligence of the what they've got in the organisation, they can they can get a correct system. We got the power to win. Power to roll.
Now let's go on to uh, the reason behind this podcast. We're previewing the Fremantle game as it's Saturday afternoon at the wonderful Adelaide Oval. We've got a 14-12 win-loss record against Fremantle. Um, unfortunately, we've lost the last six against them, including a 74-point mm. drubbing last time we played late last year. I guess the first question, is this a bigger game than the Geelong match? No. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love indecision. This is great. I reckon it is. I reckon it is. Mm. I'll, I'll make my case and you can make yours, Rick. Sure. Okay, I reckon it is because I think that uh, in the case of Geelong, if they'd won, you'd say, oh, you know, Geelong have got a huge reputation. They've got a bunch of uh, ageing stars. Yeah, absolutely, you know, Geelong beats Port Adelaide. That's just considered regular thing. But um, Fremantle, they don't have the reputation, but they do have the recent form that if we can put them away, it's not just a matter of putting down an ageing giant. It's actually putting down a contemporary. And I think that's why it's a more important game for us to win in a lot of ways. Spot yeah, that's my case. What's yours, Rick? Oh, well, look, Geelong's been up there for the last six years. Uh, we haven't been able to beat them for that period of time. We got humiliated in the in the grand final. Uh, when we beat them uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was really stamping our feet on the AFL system and saying we have officially changed uh, from the last five years. Um, Geelong were equal top with us at the time and appeared to be in fantastic form and you could argue that they still are really they've only had the one hiccup uh, whereas you could mount a case for Frio inconsistent form uh, you know injuries to key defenders which I'm sure will be discussed shortly um, so I'd be looking at this game more as uh, you know, we should deserve to be favourites for this game and we should win, Where whereas with Geelong, we, we weren't favourites and, uh, you know, we had something to prove there. And as we said before we started the podcast, Portia, which you're exactly right, for us now, every game is becoming a big game. But I, I, to me, there was more emotional build-up and more for us to prove against beating Geelong than what I feel about us um, beating Frio this week. Think, However... Yeah. However, if we group Frio and Hawthorne together as a two-game fixture, for me now, that's that's the doozy of doozies of all fixtures because if we can actually come up trumps in both of those games, well, then that's a completely different story. I, I agree that the emotion of the Geelong game was more significant, particularly consider the perception uh, based around the fact that we're still hurting from what the, that grand final in 2007. But I think that... Uh, I don't know, a, a more of a head argument is that the Fremantle game is probably more argue, uh, important than the Geelong game, whereas the emotional argument, yes, yeah, certainly you're absolutely on the money that the Geelong was probably a bit more valuable. But I think that um, a neutral, um, that observing the two games, would probably think the Fremantle one was a bit more important because it is a contemporary, because they do have a pretty good system. Uh, and we have seen this year multiple times that... Uh, teams that really execute their game plan, they can really cause a lot of problems for us. Um, and I think mm. Fremantle's certainly one of those sides. So I think that for your heart, yeah, Geelong, but I think as far as head, I reckon Fremantle's a bigger test for us. Yeah, but I think Hawthorne's also proven that their system this year isn't mm. as effective. They're not as well-oiled this year. Geelong was still showing that they they had a well-oiled system. They, they were in peak form. Uh, Frio aren't showing us that. And, and watching Hawthorne dismantle Frio, um, I looked back at that game and I actually I got a lot of confidence that we, we can do the same. Um, and Ken's smart enough as a coach to be able to implement those similar strategies to dismantle Frio. Uh, but I also saw from Hawthorne that 
I think there's an opportunity that we could be doing something there to Hawks as well, but that's for another another week's discussion. Oh, look, I'll just. Um, I reckon Geelong's probably about a year away from being weekend at Bernie's, isn't it? They're they're doing well, but they're just sort of going on automatic at the moment. Mm, well, hey, when they played us, they were undefeated, weren't they? Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, you know, they were top of the ladder, undefeated, and um, you know they were the bee's knees of of footy. They just knocked over. Hawthorne and Hawthorne's top of the tree. Um, you know, everyone's saying that Hawthorne's plateau's above everybody else. Um, you know, they mounted a challenge against Geelong. Uh, you know, and Geelong came back in the final quarter um, and did what they had to do. And um, you know, that's whereas for me, yeah, I guess I'm going over the same thing now. Um, you know, Frio was sort of spluttering this year. If it was last year, I'd agree completely with what you're saying. Fair enough. Good stuff. But, I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, what about... You were very silent there, Macca. You were, You seemed to agree with Portia. Oh, look, I'm just going to sit on the fence and say you're both right. Oh, you thanks, coward. Macca. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I, I actually do agree with both. I think that emotionally uh, the Geelong game had a lot more importance than what this one does. But I think right now... I think Frio's also a team. I think Ross Lyon's sort of strategy is you don't go for the wins early in the year. You sort of build up to the crescendo at the end of the year um, when it's final. So, look, if they lose a couple of games early on in the season, it's not really going to derail their season too much. Um, mm. But I think this one's more important just simply because we're coming up a team that plays sort of final-style footy, you know, mm. 100% of the year. Um, and it's a style of footy that we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of issues with in the past. I think we've only beaten a Ross Lyon side maybe three or four times um, uh, ever, I think. So he's certainly a coach that we struggle with as well. Um, and I, I think there was a, a clear game plan in place for, for how we could actually beat Geelong. And I, I'm a bit worried that we're not going to have that this weekend against Frio. I reckon that's Interesting. Mm. Well, look, let's talk about teams because there's a, a couple of interesting ones for both teams. Um, we've got Bobby coming back in, which is fantastic. We've got Hamish coming in, which is fantastic. And we've got Kane Mitchell coming in for his first game of the season. Um, maybe a little bit of a controversial one. Um, what do we feel about that? Uh, not a lot. I mean, Kane Mitchell, I think he will be an okay sub. And if he's playing as a sub, then I've got no problems with it. I, I think that he's part of that depth that um, I've criticised previously. I think that they're okay, but, you know... Um... It'd be nice to have someone better coming in, but for what we've got, Mitchell's going to be fine, realistically. Yep. I don't think we dropped anyone better. Mm. He, uh, I'd, I'd imagine that he will be the sub. I think he's been picked uh, exactly for that role, and uh, you can see what Ken's going for here. He wants, I think, he wants outside run, and he wants lots of it. And you know, you got White in the side, you got Impey in the side, you got Broadbent on the side. Uh, you got Kane Mitchell in the side. That's uh, you know, and then in, in addition to your normal midfield runners, but those, all of those guys are, are very fast, and um, they're going to be providing us a lot of outside run, which is going to be one of the keys for this game. That's it. Look, he's he's been in lightning form in the SANFL. He's definitely deserved his his chance this week. Um, as we said in the review podcast last week, he, he's playing a bit of a different role this year. Um, he's playing a bit more inside, but look, you know, with his fitness, um, I definitely think he could be a fantastic sub. Well, look, Tommy Jonas comes out of the side with the groin. That's a massive, uh, massive disappointment there. He's been in fantastic form all year, but we've uh, we've also dropped Paul Stewart and Ben Newton as well. 
yeah, I know that uh, Jonas out uh, made my um, initial query a, a lot more uh, difficult. I'm not sure who's going to get suspended now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe Impy will step up and uh, fill his shoes. But uh, apart from that, yeah, I, look, I think that uh, Newton out, I think that's much of a muchness in a lot of ways. And Stuart, oh, gosh, I don't know. What's, I think this will be his last year on the list unless he pulls something out of the bag, won't it? So I don't think we're going to a lot. He was pretty unlucky. Um, I thought he had a very good game last week. And he, you could mount a strong case for actually keeping him in the side, considering Jonas is actually dropping out. Um, I thought Dom was probably a little bit lucky to, to hold yeah, his place too. in the side. Yeah. I guess, but I guess they're probably looking at his uh, solid frame inside game against Frio. But, yeah, I, I thought Dom was pretty lucky and Paul Stewart was exceptionally unlucky. Oh, uh. Yeah, well, look, I mean, if you look at the ins, Carlisle, Hartlett, Mitchell, I mean, Mitchell, if they're bringing him in to be the sub, then you wouldn't have Stewart as a sub, would you? So. No, no, but you'd have, I'd probably have, um, you know, Paul Stewart in Cassisi's spot on the half-forward flank as a, a defensive half-forward with the ability to go back and play a third or fourth tall up if we need to. No, I'd rather have um, Cassisi on Pierce, quite honestly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think Dom will spend a single minute on Daniel, to be honest. Really? No. That's a shame. Uh, look, I remember. I still remember young Dom Cassisi and how uh, when he played in that half-forward role, um, he'd just burn him going the other way. And I think that uh, Daniel Pierce is certainly someone that you can expose uh, going forward. I, I certainly wouldn't mind that match-up, even if they didn't necessarily play directly next to each other the whole time. I think yep. that, um, well, you're on the money now, there. I think Dom's yeah. got the experience and the talent and the, the past experience of actually punishing Daniel for not being defensive enough. So I'd, I'd be pretty keen for that match, personally. Technical thing, but... Yeah. Well, look, both Daniel Pearce and Stephen Hill are the number one and two players in the AFL in terms of average inside 50s per game. So they're, they're both mm. two players that we desperately need to stop. Yeah. Um, I think they've probably got uh, the best midfield, or certainly the most diverse midfield in the league, Fremantle. I think they've got those two super quick guys. You know, they're surrounded by... Fantastic ball winners in Nat Fife, David Mundy and Michael Barlow. I don't think you can get mm. three midfielders as good as, the, as good as them in the league. Um, they're surrounded by fantastic second stringers like Crowley, who always does a fantastic job. Guys yeah. like Lockie Neal have, have, uh, have popped up. You know, Cameron Sutcliffe, he's, he's had a pretty good start to his career as well. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a bloody tough game to win this one. I've got to say, the main thing that I'm worried about, is particularly with Jonas out, is um, you look at the, the midfield depth that you just mentioned and also the fact that a lot of them can play forward, and I just don't know that we've got the, um, the smaller medium defenders to really um, control it. I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit worried that uh, we might not have the matchups. I'm confident. I Why? think we do. I mean, look, Frio's uh, scoring power hasn't been that overwhelming this year. I think their game plan has been a little bit dysfunctional. Um, from the games that I've seen or uh, the parts of the games, it seems like uh, Ross has been trying to uh, uh, try and get a little bit more of an attacking game style into their game plan at times. And uh, I don't know if it's worked. Uh, so they, they seem to be having an ability to leak more goals against them compared to, say, last year. Um, and I think with our, our game, where we can, we can run and spread, I think we can take it really to them. Uh, 
they weren't overwhelming in their victory against West Coast either. Um, so it's going to really come down to our, our ability to extract the ball from the contest. So I think that's going to be the key. And, I mean, it's a repeat theme. You could say that nearly every week. But uh, if we can extract the ball from the contest, and I think this is where you and Macca are right, they've got great midfielders. And not only are they great midfielders, but they're big midfielders. Michael Barlow, mm-hmm. um, Tendai Mazungu, um, you know, the two mate five. They're all tall um, influential midfielders and yep. and that's where we've got to be accountable we just can't let them roam free and uh, and sort of hit those players up because that's where we'll get really exposed um, but if we can control the ball uh, for more than our fair share get the ball on the outside to our runners I'm quite confident that um, we can do it right. So what you're really saying is we're putting it pretty much all on Matthew Lobby and uh, Voken Ebert and if they don't win it we've not got a lot of answers in defence? Uh, and Ollie Wines. And Ollie Wines, sorry. Yeah, I'll be. I'm putting a lot on Ollie Wines, uh, Ebert, Boke, and uh, and look, Cassisi kept his spot, so I'm putting a lot on Cassisi. And yes, Lobi has to has to compete. You know, it's been mentioned a few times. It was brought up last week uh, that Lobi does seem to have an inability to influence the game as much against those taller Rutman. And I notice we've got Renouf on the emergency list as well. Um, but we, you know, and Lobie's coming into the season quite strongly, but he's going to have to really uh, negate Aaron Sandlands, at least not allow, allow Sandlands to dominate the ruck and hit the ball where he just wants to go. Well, look, yeah. I mean, I'm not really too worried about Aaron Sandlands as a directing ruck, but I think it comes down to what we saw back in, what was it, 2002, I think it might have been, when we had uh, matchups like Primus versus McKay. Now, McKee was a non-ruckman, but what he did every time was stop Primus from having an influential tap, and I know that basically that's what Sandy Lins is going to do to Lobby. So without first use from ruck, we've already said that they have an excellent midfield. Um, you'd have to think we're on the back foot and then hoping that we're going to win more than 50% of the contests from uh, the centre clearances. I'm not sure that's enough for us. Uh, I'd really like to have a, a stronger lockdown defence than the ones that we've, uh, we've currently got, uh, particularly with the fleet of smalls and mids. Um, yeah, I think that as far as key positions, obviously we're fine there. Jackson's great, Alipati's great, but just those small forwards and small half forwards and the running midfielders that we're talking about, I, I think that uh, with a neutral ruck uh, situation, I think that they're probably a little bit uh, better at the spread than we are, and um, I think that we are going to be hurt defensively in this game. I think that's the, going to be the biggest concern for me. Not our scoring, but uh, stopping theirs. Yeah, look, they get a lot of their goals from their midfielders as well. If you look at their top ten mm. list of goal kickers, uh, spots number three through to ten are all midfielders. There you go. Mm. I'm going to just say right now, I reckon that Jasper Pittard's going to have a game that's going to have a lot of people screaming at him because I think that this is the sort of game where he might get a little bit exposed. Um, not in terms of uh, not being able to do things, but in terms of maybe not being as defensive as would be ideal and uh, probably being uh, picked off a little bit. That's my guess. Hey, That's my hey, who do we see him hey, going to? Do, hey, see, do we see him steady as, on. The, as hey. the, uh, the natural... Hey. But steady on. It's just un- uncalled for. Well, well, you know, do we see him as the natural <laughs> opponent to Ballantyne? Or do we think mm, he will get that? No. I don't like Impey or Pittard, really, on Ballantyne. I think he's too much of a seasoned campaigner. Uh, for that, uh, I'd probably a Cassisi. I know you're keen for Cassisi on Pierce, but I'd say maybe a Cassisi on Ballantyne. You know, with that experience and the ability not to get flustered, would probably be uh, a better match up for us. 
Yeah, yeah but Cassisi does get flustered. That's the problem. Yeah, Gibson. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Does he? Yeah. Mm. Well, look, the other one we haven't mentioned is Matty White. Um, mm. Is that an option, or is he too much of an offensive weapon now to put him in a lockdown role? I think we've got a lot of offensive weapons in the side, and I think that that certainly plays into what Rick was saying, but I, I just don't know about our defensive capabilities as far as um, lockdown accountability. I'm just not sure. We can't lock down everybody, though, can you? No, I mean, no it would be nice to lock down three or four in, against this tie, particularly as far as the small. Mm. Well, what about Kane? Would would Kane maybe go to a Hayden Ballantyne type? Is he is he really suited to going to one of their bigger midfielders? Um, you know, would he maybe get exposed there? Is is maybe his role to go to uh, the the small forward and and maybe try and lock down the small forward and then run off and uh, expose? Maybe he might be a good one for for the Daniel Pierce role that you were talking yeah, about. I, I think he yeah, might maybe. go to Pierce, to be honest. Maybe, yeah. You know. I'm not sure tight. too many people on our forum would be overly happy with uh, seeing Kane Corn start on Daniel Pierce. I reckon a lot of people might think that uh, Piercey might tear him a new one, but I reckon he'd be the perfect match for him, to be honest. Mm, mm. Yeah, especially I think, if you I think sit it's... on him. I mean, Pierce is yeah. uh, is prone to sort of having some off days and, and getting a little bit flustered as well. So I reckon he'd be the perfect matchup. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's experienced enough. I can't see uh, I can't see Daniel um, tearing Kane a new one. That's for sure. Mm. I guess the interesting thing is uh, is how the two game plans sort of match up. You look at how Frio set up up forward, and they often clear out their entire fifty, um, and they kick it to Pavlich a lot. I mean, he's taken uh, more than three times the marks inside fifty than any other Frio player, so they do look for Pav uh, a hell of a lot of a, a hell of a lot of the time. Um, is he someone that we might look at sort of double teaming, having someone like Broadbent drop in front of him? What, Pavlich? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I look, I'd be happy to just put Trengove on Pavlich and just let him go out at all game. I, I reckon that's, that would be enough. Yep. And I'd probably um, use uh, Carlo on Clark, perhaps. Well, I mean, Matty uh, Pavlich has probably been their most influential player against us over the, the last five games, so... It's definitely, and I guess that's reflective of the scores and the performances we put up against Frio as well. And mm. but he, he looked in pretty good form last week, and it wasn't just his uh, marking, but just his one percenters and the smartness of his play in the forward fifty, which uh, was really impressive. You know, and he's a champion player. Um, you know, and so you would think that Bobby Carlisle and and Homsch, when he's got the opportunity, will probably be double-teaming him to make nullify his effect because, obviously, he's going to be influencing the game at some stage. Yep. Crowley on Boak, that seems a bit obvious. Yeah, it really is. Well, what do we do? Because, I mean, Travis has probably been down at times this year. I mean, he had that purple patch two games ago and the game before where he started racking up the disposals. Um, but either side of that, he seems to be a bit down on the disposal count, um, you know, and that might be a team role, uh, plus being tagged. Uh, but do we just leave him in the midfield and, and just see how he goes against the tag of Crowley, or, or do we shuffle him around and try and get Crowley out of the midfield as well and, uh, and maybe put Travis onto the, um, uh, the half-forward line? Well, we know how good uh, Trav can be as a half-forward flanker. I'd still like to see him start in the middle, um, you know, he is our captain. Get him in the gut, see what he can do. Um, Crowley kept him to just 18 touches last time and had 18 touches and a goal himself. So he does have very good form against him. Um, 
But look, I mean, oh. it might be one of those sort of things where if, if Travis is getting beaten by him, maybe you do throw him at full forward. And Absolutely. And square and, and see if you can sort of, you know, maybe get a couple of goals out of him that way. That's oh. right. I'm not saying give up before you've even started. I mean, you've got you to give him a go in the beginning, but if Crowley does get on top, that's what, exactly right. That's what I mean. Do we shuffle him up forward and, uh, you know, move Crowley out of the play as well and, and see, if, see if Travis can maybe uh, hunt a few goals? Because, you know, the showdown last year was great on, on the half-forward line. Yep. Um, you know, and he's done it plenty of times. Yeah. I kind of I like the backup thing uh, with someone like Travis Boak is that if he um, finds he's getting shut down, then have him shut someone else down. And then what got, what's Crowley got to do? Um, you know, um, if uh, Travis Boak's up against, I don't know, someone like Stephen Hill or, I don't know, uh, Barlow in midfield and uh, Boak's being shut down, well, why not just have him be as accountable as possible for Barlow and then have Crowley try and be the one clearing? I think I'd much rather that and see how he goes as far as picking that off because he's not the most brilliant disposer of the ball. Um, mm. that, 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 that would be how I'd rather see it treated. Um, keep Boak in midfield because, you know, it might go his way and it might go his way in patches. But if it's not going his way, if you're seeing Sandy Lins is getting the best of the ruck, then, yeah, have him negate someone. Why not? He can do it. He's got the fitness. And that's a good way to be a leader as well. It's not necessarily being the one that always gets the ball, but being the one that shows what you do when you don't have it. Exactly right. And Porsche and Macker, I guess, you know, you guys are a bit questionable on this game and Porsche, you're worried about how we're going to, you know, reduce their attack. But mm. I guess from their perspective, the loss of McFarlane, which is a huge loss, Absolutely. and Dawson as well, they're two key defenders. Um, that's going to... How much of an influence is that going to have in their defensive half and for us up forward? Well, it really forces Michael Johnson to play a bit more of a shutdown role, which is not really his natural game, I don't think. And look... Yeah, true. I would hope that Schultz could kick a bit of a bag on Silvani, to be honest. I think they'll look at, uh, at giving Silvani a lot of support, a lot of people sort of dropping in front. Um, mm. But, I mean, I'd really hope to see Schultzy kick at least three or four goals um, if we can get a, a bit of a run on. Um, a lot of it is going to come down to Westhoff this week because he's been down the last month. You know, he really yeah. needs to stand up and, and have a big game. I think that um, they're going to do what you always do when you've got uh, issues with the key backman, which is the best way to beat a key forward that's a permanent key forward is just to shut off their supply. So we're going to see that old trick of um, overloading the half-back line in the back of the square, um, and they've certainly got the players to do that. So I yep. think that um, Shorts is going to have to take a lot of marks at the top of the goal square uh, this week. I'm not sure okay, that so necessarily is forte. All right, so let's theorise. They're going to, they're going to flood our half-back line to try no. and minimise... I didn't say flood, just that would be the focus of uh, where they right. would descend to. Con- All right, so they're going to try and maybe congest it and, and focus yeah. on that area to reduce our scoring. Yeah. Um, so for it's us fine. as a team then, what do we do? Are we going to run at those massive players um, or their structure? Are we going to try to attack it and go over it and through it? Or uh, you know, what's our strategy going to be there as a team to try and overcome that? Uh, you, look, That's that a sort of question, you- isn't it? With that sort of thing, you either beat it with the speed, which uh, reduces the effectiveness of the zone, or you kick over it, and that'd be someone like Hartlett, I guess, and probably Chad Wingard as your, your main uh, people there. So as far as fitness, I don't know, maybe this is Jared Pollock's extra, extra game where he can come out there and just burst through because uh, every zone, and you'll know that that's definitely the case with Ross Lyons' side, they're based on mathematics, and it's based on uh, how fast an average player can run, and that's just how it dictates your groupings and how you spread out. So... Um, Blunt speed, you can break a zone, but um, I think on this occasion we're probably just going to try and risk it over the top most of the time. It's a little bit easier. 
and uh, just hope that uh, Jay Schultz feels like leaping. Well, well, I hope to see a bit, more of a, uh, a bit more of a possession-style game plan against them this week because, look, Frio's uh, number one thing is that sort of intense pressure that they put on the ball carry. We saw last mm. week against West Coast where West Coast did try to play a bit of a running game and it just failed dismally, especially in the first yeah. half because um, you just don't have any time against Freo. You've always got someone on your hammer. Every yeah. time you look up, suddenly you've got two players in front of you. You're forced into a defensive handball and it, it's never good doing that. Yeah, and that's why I'm sort of also thinking the option we're going to go for is to go over the top because, as I said, it's a lot easier than running through. Uh, running through, you've got to have real confidence in what you're doing. There's someone on the other side that you can get it off to. But if you're under pressure and you're in the forward side of the square, um, it's much easier to bomb long to Jay Shorts and hope he can do something. So maybe that's what we'll see a bit of. I guess we've got Would to probably been? take the weather into account as well because it might be a bit slippery out there. Yeah, well, I mean, in that case, uh, maybe instead of Jay Schultz in that spot, you hope for Justin Westhoff and see what he can pull off because, I mean, that's his sort of dream game, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Things coming in high and then no one taking a mark and then he can do something ridiculous. I think that's really what he loves. So yep. maybe this could be the return of Westhoff to form. That would be really nice. Mm. Well, hopefully, if that's the game planning on a play, hopefully we've got Westhoff playing a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if they were tempted with looking at another tall forward for this game, for that reason as well, if we're going to try and go over the top. Um, but if it is run that we're looking for um, and we're going to try and run at it from behind, um, I'm quite comfortable we have the runners to do that. You know, you've got Pittard, MP Polek, Matt White, Kay Mitchell. We've got some good runners there. And uh, I hope we blend it up. And I wouldn't compare us and West Coast too much, Macca. We're poles apart this oh, season compared compared to previous seasons. So, um, you know, we, we've shown that we can run at those type of great game structures and, and do it quite well. Mm. And I think the other other interesting stat for us this year is uh, our ability to, um, compared to previous years, is to stop the run of goals against us. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was on one of the shows earlier in the week. I think the most run of goals against us this year, I think, has been three. Um, so we've, it shows that we've got that defensive structure um, and we've got that ability now to stop the teams getting that run on. And um, whereas in previous... I can hear typing. Someone's checking it up, I think. But, um, yeah, it's from previous seasons where, you know, there'd be seven, eight, nine, ten-goal run-ons. Uh, we've now got that maturity and the game plan to stop that. And I think that's another key for us. You know, because Freo are going to come. Yep. And they're going to come hard, mm. and we need to be able to stop that and take the game back onto our own terms. Yep. All right. Well, look, let's go on to our big four, which is the big four questions we ask at the end of each uh, preview podcast. First one is time to stand up. Portia, I'll start with you. Whose time is it to stand up? Uh, well, I think we already mentioned him a fair bit, but I think it's probably Westhoff, yep. um, just because he's been a bit out of form and also... Uh, the way that we've talked through the game, it sounds to me like it's a Westhoff game. So let's let's put it all on him. Let's put the moz on him and uh, expect him to uh, hopefully lift and uh, put in a good one. Um, I guess my only other choice would have been someone like uh, Mitchell because really this uh, this could be his last chance at AFL. And uh, we know he's a good sub, but he didn't really do enough to indicate he's a good long-term player. So he's going to have one, a really good one. Otherwise, at the end of the series, probably going to be back in Waffle or SNFL or VFL or something like that as a permanent uh, thing. Yep, fair call. Rick, what about you, mate? I'm, I'm going uh, for the Chad. 
I reckon it's time for Chad to stand up a little bit harder. Um, you know, we spoke about him a few times and he just seems to be down a little bit. He's getting a harder tag these days and I think there was an article in the paper this week about it as well. And uh, if we are going to take that sort of game plan into it, we really need uh, Chad to uh, be that small crumbing player and really exert an influence. And if I can follow that up with also the comment, it's we need our forward defensive pressure to stand up collectively as well against Fremantle. Oh, yeah? Yep, that's fair. I like that. I had, um, I had West off down, but look, I'm going to say Travis Boak. Um, nothing's going to say captain more than uh, than giving Crowley uh, a bit of a bath this week, having a 30-touch game and, and kicking a couple of goals. I reckon um, if he can do that, I reckon we'll win. I agree. Nice. All right, danger man, Rick. Oh, pick a player, any player. Well, I'm going to go Matthew Pavlich. He's uh, really dominated us in the last three games. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, Alipati coming back from his uh, from his illness is able to stand up like he did against Tom Hawkins the game before and really nullify um, the true champion that Pavlich's effect on the game. Beautiful. Porsche? Uh, for them, it'd be Nat Fife, I think. I think he's just far enough down the list of seniority that we can't really find a good match for him. Um, yeah, he's the one I'm worried about, certainly. Yep. That's fair enough. Look, I'm going to go a little bit left of centre. Um, we all know about all their stars and, and our stars as well, and I think ultimately they might cancel each other out a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be won by the foot soldiers in this one, and for me, someone that always flies under the radar for Frio is a Tendai Mazungu, so it is a little bit left of centre. But we all know that Crowley li- will likely go to Boak, um, but Mazungu is someone that normally does a very good defensive job, especially on an outside runner, so we might see him go to an Ebit or a Hartlett possibly even Brody or, or maybe even Gray up forward and shut them down. Not only is he very good defensively, but he normally breaks free and gets plenty of the ball himself. He's a bloody hard tackler. He's listed at, I think, 182 centimetres, but he plays deceptively tall. Um, I think he's third in inside 50s for Frio, nearly averages a goal a game as well. Um, I reckon he's someone that might fly under the radar a bit and get uh, 20 touches and, and maybe a couple of goals and, and you know keep one of our stars to, uh, to below their best as well. Fair enough. All right. Uh, key to winning. Rick. Courage, Macca. We need to keep <laughs> taking the game on and uh, we need to win the clearances and have our dominate the sh- our share of the ball and use it well. If we can have clean possession, uh, controlled possession and execute with our possessions, I think that's going to be the main key for us to win the game. Nice. Love it. Porsche? Uh, for me, it's going to be our um, half-back line managing to slow Freo down enough that we can get numbers back and stop from scoring uh, when they do get dominance in midfield because it will happen at some point and uh, if, they, if they can get it on the fast break and we don't have anything stopping them, I mean, they're just going to keep doing that all day and that could be a real problem for us. I think that's the most important thing for us, the half-back line. Beauty. For me, it's uh, nullifying the impact that uh, Daniel Pearce and Stephen Hill are going to have on the game. As I said earlier, they're number one and number two in the league for average inside 50s per game. I think they average about 13.5 inside 50s between them, uh, which is quite a lot. Look, we need to stop them uh, from winning the ball on the outside, and that might mean stopping guys like Nat Fife and uh, Michael Barlow getting the ball on the inside as well. 
Um, but look, if we can stop Pierce and Hill from having that impact, um, that's going to be a massive key to us winning this one. I don't disagree. I th yeah. I think that um, ultimately if we can stop them from getting good possession, certainly it'll mean that they're lesser... Uh, skilled midfielders will have to do it, and that will give us um, certainly played into our strength. Of, uh, people like Broadbent and Pittard and Homsch just sort of picking off the, the stray entries. But, um, yeah, that's certainly going to be a challenge to do. Absolutely. All right, prediction time. Porsche, who's going to win? Uh, yeah, look, I'm going to say Port, but I reckon if we win it might be about seven points. Okay. I like that. That's confident. Mm. Kind of. Not really. <laughs> and, and what about um, who do you reckon is going to be in front at the end of the first quarter? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think we might. I think we probably will. I think that the momentum would go with us, but I think that Fremantle are a grinding side, and I think that they'll probably just peg us back a bit, and that's why I think they'll end at seven points. I think it'll be pretty close all day, with maybe the most margin being about three or four goals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rick, what about you, mate? Yeah, I'm going uh, Port, and uh, I'm going to go 21 points, and uh, I uh, I think that will be two goals up at quarter time, and looking good. All right. Well, I like that. Of course, we'll be looking good. Huh? <laughs> Both fairly confident there. I like that. I'm uh, I'm going to go the other way this week. I reckon Frio are going to win by. Uh, eight, 18 points. I reckon they'll be up by about four goals at quarter time. Uh, we'll be able to peg them back and might even hit the front uh, during the third quarter. Um, but I think just their experience in uh, in what they do best is going to be uh, a bit too strong for us this week. Um, it'll be a good lesson for us and we'll get them on the rebound uh, later on in the year. So you're tipping us to lose in the last quarter? I'm tipping us to be behind at three-quarter time, but we might hit the front in the third quarter. Mate, mate, where is Tango? <laughs> I can't believe I've left us starving in my holiday house. It's just very, very disturbing. That Are you actually a poor supporter, No, no Tango I'm, I'm... and no chair. You've got nothing, Rick, on this one. Oh. <laughs> He's got you there. I'll, uh, I'll smash my table instead. Come on, where is the... Com you know, you guys, I feel like that we're actually mid-table four and three and Frio are six and one. Yeah, There's, I think... We, we need a bit more confidence here, guys. I think Foot Falcon might be slitting his wrists again. Yeah. <laughs> true, very true. Oh, at least he'll, he'll be sticking up for me this time. I'm, at least I'm a little bit optimistic. Uh, I'm optimistic, but I just think there's a big hole that I can't see an explanation for, that's all. I would love to see it. It would be absolutely great. I think we're a big chance to win. I really believe mm. we're a big chance to win. I just think... Um, well, I just don't think we'll, we'll on do the line. I have put my kahunas on the line and I've picked Frio. <laughs> Much to the derision <laughs> of the Port Adelaide uh, supporter base. <laughs> yes. I hope they I hope they ride you hard tomorrow, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, do you want to uh, quickly go through the other games and uh, and do a bit of a tips? Why not? Why not, indeed? And we've got we've so we've got the big blockbuster of um, Tippett and Franklin playing for the first time in the same team. The one point nine million dollar 
forward pairing and probably at a ground which is going to be more suitable for them, ANZ Stadium, uh, than the SCG. Uh, how do you guys reckon uh, that's going to go and out of Sydney and Hawthorne? I reckon they'll kick 10 goals between them. I reckon they'll kick three goals between them. Fair enough. Three goals. <laughs> I reckon they'll get in each other's way, won't they? I mean, they both go out there thinking we're the, on the big ticket player. I, I think that Tippett's very capable of getting in people's way. I mean, it was part of his stock in trade at the Crows for years. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that they might uh, have a real issue with um, space in that forward line, uh, having space to lead into. But they'd be uh, they'd do the old Hawthorne trick, wouldn't they? Play Tippett really deep and get um, Barney on the, the forward 50 and get him pushing up to the the back 50 and running in between there and then running towards the goals? Well... Would, that, would tip it in the side? That would allow them to do that anyway. I know, but um, who are they playing against? I think they might know that trick. Well, that's true too. <laughs> I don't know. I, so I, who I, are reckon, you guys? I reckon they'll uh, they'll have a massive one this week. Everyone's going to say, oh, they're going to be far too strong and then, uh, then it'll fall over um, after this week, I reckon. I reckon Hawthorne so, will smash them. Hawthorne will smash them? Absolutely annihilate them. Macca? Uh, Swans just, I'm going to say. Swans? I'm going Hawthorne. I'm going to yep. have to do a stop take of our tips soon too. <laughs> I, I haven't had them up for a while. I hope I'm still winning. Um, Brisbane Lions versus Essendon. That's a blockbuster, that uh, one. Essendon. <laughs> yeah, Essendon. Essendon. Essendon because um, they don't hate themselves. <laughs> Melbourne Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Melbourne. Essendon. Melbourne Bulldogs. Um, ah, look, I don't know. Melbourne are world beaters now, aren't no. they? Mm. No. I'm going to say Melbourne. Yeah, Bulldogs. Bulldogs. I'm going yeah, you're a good judge, Porsche. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, West Coast Giants. And, uh... Giants. Oh, okay. I don't have a reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, West Coast are having one of their pathetic seasons, so it's entirely possible. I'm going to go with Giants. That's my only explanation. I'm going to still say West Coast at home. Yeah, I'll go West Coast. I reckon the Giants have hit the wall. Yeah, fair enough. And Saints-Carlton. Who's tanking? (laughs) Porsche? (laughs) Ah, look, I mean, I think that St Kilda, if you look over the club's history, they have the better record of tanking, but I think that Carlton, uh, I think that they're just really bad, so I'm, I'm going to go St Kilda, I think. All right. I'm going to go St Kilda. Carlton. Yeah, I'm going Carlton. And I'll just quickly chuck in there before we digress to the SANFL is how good a Gold Coast starting to look now. Yeah. They're really starting to mature quite quickly now, aren't they? Mm. They are coming on. I'm kind of hoping that we can be the Brisbane to their Port Adelaide, which is not a great uh, simile, but um, just that little bit ahead and uh, getting the benefit from it. Mm. Mm. They're, um, they're, I I guess, I think they've had a bit of a a soft draw, though, haven't they? They haven't really played too many tough teams, but I I thought beating North Melbourne convincingly at Etihad which was something we couldn't do, uh, was a real eye-opener for me. And, uh, you know, they're tracking along and any team that's got Gary Ablett in it is always going to be around the place. And, uh, yeah, to be 5-2, and two, they'd be over the moon and you'd think they'll be playing finals this year. Yep. 
I've got to say I'm pretty useless at making that sort of assessment because I'm pretty subjective. Right now it seems like everyone must have a pretty easy draw because there's a lot of teams worse than Port Adelaide right now. So um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're all awful. <laughs> All right, time to preview the Maggies. We're playing Sturt. It's a top-of-the-table clash, first versus second at Albert and Oval. It's on uh, Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, we've got a 174-97 win-loss record against Sturt, although Sturt has won uh, the last five matches between uh, Sturt and Port and also seven of the last eight at Albert and Oval. Uh, so they are coming into it with uh, pretty good form. It's interesting to see Nathan uh, Crackers held his spot in the side. Um yeah, you know, not back in the academy squad. I'd imagine a player of his quality probably won't be going back to the academy squad from here. You'd hope not. I think so, no. Benny Newton, uh, Paul Stewart are obviously coming back in after being dropped. Um, and also uh, Brendan Archie, he's back into the side as well uh, from injury, which is good to see. Hmm, hmm. We've got a very strong side now in the SANFL, and it's looking uh, quite rosy, it's isn't it? It's looking pretty good. It is looking very good, you've got to say. Yeah. We just, we just, How are you feeling about our finals prospects? Well, if we don't make the finals from here, then it's going to be a bit of a disaster, I think. But I don't know. I guess it depends on who goes. Uh, I know we're not supposed to send players off to surgery and all that sort of stuff, but I guess it depends who's fit, um, who's in the AFL mm-hmm. side. You would think the AFL team will make finals, so it really depends on who's going to be available, I would think. But, I mean, we're, our team is starting to look fantastic. I mean, we spoke about Stephen Summerton on the weekend and his game and, and you were there, Macca, and uh, then so when you, you put Benny Newton back into the side, Andrew Moore back into that midfield rotation, uh, one of your favourite players, um, Porsche, Cam O'Shea's on the wing. And mm. where is he, Porsche? Where's Cam at? What's going on there? I have no idea. I, I, I really don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew why he's not playing in the senior side this week. Couldn't tell you. Do you think? Do you think he should be in the senior side this week? I think that we can get by without him in the senior side at the moment, and I think that's probably why he's playing with the Magpies. Um, I think he's a very good creative defender, but we've already got Pittard sort of poached his role while he wasn't there, and um, until Pittard does some has a pretty stinking game, I think that O'Shea might have to be really proving himself for the Magpies. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be hoping. I'm hoping for Jake Need to have a a big game. I'd really like him to step up and and maybe get a twenty disposal game and and do something that you know he probably hasn't done so far. I guess the main question I've got about that side: um, what's happening with Moore? Like, uh, is he going to be playing senior sometime again soon, or, or what? He seems to be the forgotten man a little bit. Yeah, Andrew Moore. I still think that. So long as uh, Dom's in the side, I think we'll keep seeing Andrew um, in the resis. Really? Mm. I almost think it's time, myself. I reckon if, if Dom racks up another game like he did the last two weeks, they they might have to make a call soon. I mean, Ken's showing that he's very loyal uh, to his playing group and the senior players, but, um, yeah, I think Dom's... Lacked a little bit for me the last couple of weeks, and uh, and Andrew's been playing very well at SANFL level, you know, and he finished off the season well last year, and he was pretty unlucky that he hurt his shoulder, but um, 
yeah, I'd like to see him in the side. I think we, we need him in the side and for our development as a football team, it would be good to see him in the side as well. Well, what is it that Moore's not doing at SNFL level that he's stuck there? I think it's more the players in the AFL level aren't giving him an opportunity. Oh, I don't agree with that. I mean, we've had a huge amount of uh, players bouncing through there the last three or four weeks, haven't we? We've had Gray and Newton and Stewart all having a go. Um, and as a secondary midfielder, you know, that's basically what all of them were effectively there as. I, I don't see that you couldn't have fit in more if he was the guy in form. So there's got to be something else. Yeah, but Gray was selected as a forward crummer, which Andrew Moore yeah. isn't. What about the and, next two weeks? And Newton um, was selected as a a clearance midfielder, I would imagine. And you've got to admit that Newton's... Newton's performance at SANFL level was probably a little bit stronger than Moore's performance at SANFL level. Probably justified Newton getting selected ahead of Moore, but I'd imagine it would have been a pretty close call. I guess what it shows is previous season form isn't being excessively used for selection for 2014. Mm. But I know what you're saying. But um, I guess who would we push out of that side... For Andrew Moore to be coming in. Kane Mitchell. Wouldn't and you say that at the start? Who'd be, who would be the sub? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Let's have a quick look. Well, we don't even know that Mitchell will be the sub yet. So. That's true. Mm. Very true. Hmm. I don't know. All right. All right, Mac has had enough. He's cutting us off water. We might leave it there because this has gone a bloody long time. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Sorry, Mac. Right, I thought that was one of our shorter ones, Portia. Yeah, I know. I, I was running out of True. things to say almost. <laughs> the last one went for about four and a half hours, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> uh, All right, well, Portia, thanks for coming back on. No problem. And we'll speak to you in a few weeks, no doubt. Yeah, thanks, so. Portia. Enjoyed the uh, civilised debate, too. Ah, yes, I know. Not much name-calling today. We'll have to work on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring it down to the gutter next time. Make sure you bring Tango, that'll help. I'll try. <laughs> All right, f- is, uh, go the power. <laughs> go for that lane. Count the power. Carport. Seabarn now caught. Port Adelaide are beginning to build. Foster's kick is through half forward. Knocked away by Hodges. On the run is Rowan Smith. Bends it to the goal square. 